Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. Hey, Tanya. How's it going? It's going great. It's hot. (laughs) (laughs) It's hot, especially if you don't have air conditioning. I know. It's dead. We've had the air conditioning guy come out here three times, and finally we had to get a different company, and they said, oh, it's shot. You need a whole new unit upstairs. So we're waiting, but my office is upstairs. I'm in a little sweat box. So you know all that hot yoga you do? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm doing hot office work. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's hot here too, but in a different kind of way. Yeah, yeah. But it does feel like our topic for today is perfectly timed because I feel like right now it's just utter chaos. Like there's so much going on. And so I feel like talking about silence and stillness is perfectly timed because yeah, it's crazy. Have you ever found that the times you need silence and stillness the most are the times you resist it the most? Oh, for sure. Well, that's the way everything is in life when it comes to cravings, when it comes to, I know I should, you know, walk away from that lovely cheese pizza and go and have, you know, a healthy salad. And we're like, but maybe not. I really struggle with silence and being still a lot of times in my life, especially in some of the places where I should be the most still and shut up is like in a massage. And it was incredible. And I started blabbing my head off, just blah, 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 asking the massage therapist different questions. And she gave me like one syllable answers. And at first I was kind of uncomfortable with her not expanding upon, you know, her answers. And then I relaxed. And so I realized that was making me shut the hell up. And it was really the most relaxing massage I've had in a long time because I got quiet. I love that. I I was just actually talking about this because, you know, we just came off of a camping weekend where we had gone up to Gunflit Trail, which is just off of the border of Canada, so in the Boundary Waters. And it's in the National Forest, so there's like nobody around, right? And it was, you know, a pretty private setting. We had no Wi-Fi. We had no cell service. We had no televisions. It was just, you know, community, food, and people. And by people, I mean the eight of us in our family. And it was really so nice to be so purely present and so not distracted by cell phones. Like, you know, there were days I literally was just the only time I would check my phone was when I walked down to the main lodge to grab Wi-Fi and check in with my son back at home. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I didn't even bring my cell phones out except to, you know, be able to take some pictures because it also serves as my camera. But other than that, like just to be completely unplugged from technology was fantastic. Well, we never do that, you know, unless you go to a place where there's no Wi-Fi service. You know, I mean, we, I mean, how frequently do you turn off your phone, completely turn it off? Yeah. Uh, no, or, you know, turn off the television or hide for even one day. You're not going to get on social media or listen to a podcast or listen to your book or, you know, pick something, you know, 
when we do that, we do miss out on some amazing health benefits of silence and stillness. And you just reaped them all this weekend, didn't you? Yeah. Well, and I was thinking to myself after this weekend, I was like, wow, I'm literally going to do it. I'm just going to let the people I know from now on, just let them know that, you know, between the hours of 9 p.m. and 9 a.m., consider me offline. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to be reading messages after nine o'clock at night. And maybe it should be, maybe it should be 8 p.m. and, you know, 10 a.m. Maybe if I can do fasting for 18 hours, I should darn well be able to live without my television for 18 hours. It's ridiculous. (laughs) That is awesome. I mean, how often do you wake up in the morning? And I know we both have our little morning get out of bed rituals, but how often is one of the first things you do check your phone? Yeah. I mean, I've gotten a little better, but it doesn't mean that it's because I'm doing a good job of avoiding technology. It's just because I am forcibly either getting in my car and driving to the office or, you know, whatever that morning routine is. And so I maybe don't even look at my phone until I settle in. But it's not that I haven't dealt with technology because I have the radio going in the car. I have, you know, cars zooming all around me. So it's not like I've stepped out of, you know, the chaos of the world. And I, I feel like that's just such an awesome thing for us to talk about in general is chaos theory which is kind of what draws us to this place of, you know, why we want to get out of it, right? Because chaos theory is like all around us. We live in a dynamic system. Everything is changing. It's the one thing we know that is constant is that there will always be change. Correct. And and in that, it seems like it is random, random chaos. Like most people would be like, wow, that was so random. But really, was it? Right. But that chaos and that disorder, all that, all those irregularities that are around us, it's actually governed by an underlying pattern. And this is what chaos theory tells us. It's governed by an underlying pattern that is, that follows deterministic laws that are highly sensitive to you and I. Mm -hmm. So we are what create our own chaos. Heck yeah, we are. (laughs) And so this is perfect because this is how what's going to drive us into this next conversation of what do we do with that chaos and what are the tools we can use to manage and to draw ourselves out of the chaos for a time so that we can do regenerative work, healing work, you know, our yoga, our spiritual journey, whatever it is that's going to fit into that time outside of chaos so that we have that space, right? Well, a lot of time if we look at what is, what isn't working in our life, it's often because of these habits and these unconscious patterns, this chaos that we create. And so when we're still, we really start to kind of discern what these habits and the blind spots in our lives are. I love that blind spots because it's true. We're like, what? I didn't even know I was doing that. (laughs) Like, right? It's purely a blind spot. I wish everyone could have seen your face on that. (laughs) What are you talking about? I didn't make any faces. Uh, well, too, you know, but taking a break from noise and technology and from content consumption, we didn't even talked about that too much. So much content consumption that we're doing on everything by taking a break from all that, we give ourselves the opportunity to have better clarity. To just digest a bit, even. You hear the term decompress in general. It goes back to ancient law in the yoga sutras. 
like the first sutra is about yoga and the exposition of yoga beginning right now, this very moment. If you opened up this book, yoga starts now, right? If you got up this morning and you took a healthy, intelligent breath that you were conscious of, yoga started right then. Yoga starts every second of every moment, right? But the second sutra in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras is Yoga Chitta Vridi Narodaha, which is specifically about this topic, the cessation, the stopping all of the mind chatter huh? is really the ultimate goal of yoga is to be able to get away of, from the chaos in our own head. Mm-hmm. And it is chaos. Yeah, well, when we can even make those choices to get rid of some of the chaos, some of the, the monkey chatter in our mind, we have a more fulfilling life and we know that. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, it's kind of like it just flows right off of our podcast about minimalism. Like it starts right in our own home. Like how much shit do we have all around us all the time that is like you say, it's overstimulating. Yeah. Like it's just too much. It's too much media. It's too much cell phone time. It's, you know, it's too much television. It's too much sugar. It's too much. It's just too much. Yeah. Even just walking into your closet and having too many choices creates chaos in your brain. Exactly. I was going to say that I have trouble being still and being silent when I have piles of paper on my desk. They're not mm-hmm. making noise. But what they represent is making tons of noise. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. How many you had a student come and tell you that after they started practicing meditation or trying to be still, trying to be quiet, that it was life-changing for them. Then they felt that they were real clear on what path they needed to be on. Oh, I mean, it happens all of the time when you have a person who has that, we'll say, moment of, oh, that's what meditation was, as opposed to the battle that they do when they sit down and try to find meditation. And we've all had the battle. Every new beginning meditator has the battle. Like you sit down and you're like, I can't do this. Like, how many minutes have I been doing this? Like, it's all... It's all just chaos, just trying to begin meditation. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think another part of that is we are a very, and I know this is a penetrate too, but we're a very task oriented and efficiency focused culture. And a lot of times we don't feel like we have the time just to be still and quiet, but there've been studies and I wish I'd found one, a current one, but there have been studies done that show that you're more productive if you practice and set in stillness and silence. Because you regenerate. It's the same theory as, you know, getting good rest so that your next day is more productive. But with that also is the whole thought that not only are we task oriented, but we are like literally a nation of self gratification and or instant gratification. Like we're like, what? They didn't text me back within three (laughs) minutes. Like, right? right? Like it's, we're in this world of just complete constant movement. Yeah, exactly. Nobody ever ever says, hey, by the way, I'm going to send you this text message. It's totally okay if you don't respond for seven days. Oh, heck no. You felt been ghosted if, if like, oh my gosh, like, I just sent this one of my yogis. She had asked me a question. I just sent her a text and she responded back at 2.30 and I'd sent it to her at 2. And she goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. It took me so long to respond back. And I just sent an LOL. I was like, no, it was just 30 minutes ago. But I thought that was interesting. And I 
I didn't even think about it, you know, with what we're talking about now, but she was so worried that she had taken too long to respond back. Well, I mean, it, it's it's with everything, like with our cell phones, like it it isn't even so much that now if a person calls you and you're on the line, you instantly send them a text message, I'll call you later. <laughs> like it used to be you would call and you would just get ring, 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 and you'd be like, oh, okay, well, they must not be home. I'll call back later. Uh-huh. Yep. But now we have to like define it. Like, nope, I'll get back to you in 30 minutes. You know, like it's just instant response. And it's funny because our children have grown up knowing nothing besides that. Yeah. They've never, they've never experienced a phone that rang and rang and rang and no one answered. No. Or what do you mean? There was no such thing as caller ID. Like, like they just don't even have an idea of what that was like when you had to rotary dial. Jonathan was talking about how he had just watched a YouTube video where they set a rotary telephone in front of a bunch of kids and they had no idea how to dial out on it. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Now everyone listening is going to go look up a YouTube video. (laughs) (laughs) Let them because apparently it was very funny. That's funny. Wow. Well, you know, and if you do practice mindfulness, you bring your best self to every situation you're in. And you know, who doesn't want to bring their best self to each situation? I do have a few lists of mental and emotional benefits of silence and solitude. Want to hear them? Yeah, I would, because you and I both know from our experience in life and our experience with yoga and our journey in the last 10 years has been 100% transformed by our ability to quiet down, to find some non-reactivity, to be mindful. So yeah, let's hear it. Let's share it. Well, and it's hard for pittas. It is very hard for pittas, but we've worked really hard to find that balance because we know it brings our best self. Mm-hmm. And it changed changed our lives. Changed our lives. Well, one of the first benefits is clarity. It's the number one mental and emotional benefit, silence and solitude. And I think that's great. This guy that I'm reading his blog about had a snow globe analogy. And he said, think about the snow globe. When you shake it and turn it upside down, then you turn it right side up, you see all the particles start to settle. That settling is similar to what happens to our mind when we're quiet. When we're constantly running in life, it's kind of like we're shaking the crap out of that snow globe. But when we sit and we're quiet and we're still, all the flakes come back down. Mm, I like that. I like that. Another benefit is taking. Uh, you have time to process your emotions. When you practice solitude and silence, you allow your brain to process your emotions rather than suppressing them and sticking yourself on autopilot. I mean, how often do we do that? They have something that like stresses you out and you just shove it down and go put it in its little box. And it's really unhealthy to shove all that stuff down. So if you practice stillness, then you have time to process all of that. And you have, you make better decisions. Brain scans show that many people's brains are over, overactive and hardly ever at rest now. Ugh. It's icky. I know. Isn't it icky? So, and if your brain is hardly ever at rest, it can't restore and regenerate, and then you can't think straight. So those three of my little benefits for silence and solitude. 
I love that. Well, so let's talk about how can we find it? How can we achieve it? What can we do to get it? And there are several things besides kind of the obvious, like taking a vow of silence, Uh but you don't have to go to that extreme. You don't have to (laughs) ship yourself off and, you know, go live in an ashram and wear a pin that says I'm in silence. You know, you can practice it without going to that extreme. Choose times. Mm -hmm. And for some of us, you know, in the Ayurvedic world, they say that one of the important times to be silent is while you're eating, which mm-hmm. would be lovely, except for a lot of us, sometimes that's the only time we're gathering with family. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to be like, oh, hey, I love that I only get to see you for this half an hour, but I want to be silent at the same time. Like that's just really hard for family dynamics. So, mm-hmm. but maybe it's choosing the half an hour before you eat or the half an hour after you eat for that time of silence and gratitude and, you know, using that space to really kind of come to this acknowledgement and this mindfulness of what you do have. And gratitude's a really simple way to move into a space of mindfulness, but so also is pranayama, using breath work and really kind of coming to this space of, wow, I'm going to simply step outside myself and observe me. And when you do that for a time, sometimes you see things like you're like, oh, I didn't even know I did that. Like why, right? Like I think about leg shakers. My husband is a leg shaker. I have two children who are leg shakers. My brother-in-law is a leg shaker. They are constantly in motion. And even if we lay down and John extends his leg, if his leg's not shaking, then he switches to shaking his foot. Oh, (laughs) and and to me, it's like, can you sit still? And he's like, this is stillness for me. And I'm like, nope, 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 it's not. <laughs> I don't buy that. I don't buy it. <laughs> nope. Nope. I'm sorry. It is actually not. But so one of the things that I really had a fun introduction to was a practice called Vipassana. And Vipassana is a type of meditation or yoga practice that really is about clear awareness And it really is about mindfulness as to what exactly is happening right now. And our Reiki practice also pairs this because when we work in our Reiki, you know, as we're working with our Reiki, we're really trying to act as though we are that droplet of blood moving through the organism or that we're acting like that MRI machine and we're just taking snippets. But we're really getting into touch with what's happening inside the body. And that's that awareness that Vipassana or the practice of Vipassana is really trying to teach us is that you slow down and are so still and so silent that you can legitimately feel. Really what it is, is about that silence, that meditation and being entirely present and aware of every detail. So this means feeling the wind on your cheek and at the same time feeling your cheek press against the universe, right? It's really being so microscopically in touch. You think like right down to the very atom of your core and the movement of your skin. It's that lovely exchange. And we talk about it in Reiki when we talk about 
about breathing in the universe, breathing, you know, out into the universe and that even exchange that we have going on. So it is quite lovely. Besides that, like we, we talk about pranayama, we talk about mindful practices, we talk about meditation, the Buddha's brain book that we've always referenced as we talk about it. But other things that you can think of, I know you're going to throw in the big J word. Yep, journaling. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. No, journaling, journaling, journaling. It helps you find that place of quiet. And if you can get all of the chatter out of your head, put it on paper and then just sit. But you know, another thing that I find very helpful uh, besides just journaling is just stopping for two minutes. Just deciding I'm just going to be still for two minutes and that's all. And it helps you cultivate that desire, that need for silence and solitude. And it allows your whole body to relax. And that's when healing can start. So with, with the journaling, you can get all of the stuff out with setting in solitude and silence. You can help yourself to start to heal. I think journaling is extremely relaxing and you know, relaxation is the primary mechanism for healing. Now, when you're under stress, your body's natural mechanisms for healing, they're disabled. They don't work anymore. Yeah, your hormones go all wonky. Nothing's going to function well. It's not going to work for you to find true healing. You may find some healing, but it is not going to be all the way to the core and it is not going to be long lasting. You may find temporary cures and temporary healing, but it won't be the kind of healing that will be long lasting because our brain is not disconnected from our body so you know you've got to be able to relax your mind to be able to relax your body and vice versa you've got to you got to just stop um, yeah and I've had a lot of people and I used to be one of them and I still I have to say I'm still sometimes a walking meditation but only on the labyrinth so you know I used to always think that I would do a little shortcut to meditation and do a walking meditation on my walks just by being quiet. And still, that was still very beneficial just to unplug from the world and, you know, not listening to stuff in your car. That can be a way to be silent. But I wasn't really being still uh, in my mind on a walking meditation. So now because I your eyes are taking in information, you know, you're just like, oh, don't trip on the stone. Oh, look, they put flowers in their front patio. Oh, look, you know. <laughs> exactly. But on a labyrinth, and every time I teach at the writing retreat in Indiana, and it's actually going to be a go next year uh, in 2022, I'm pretty excited. But every time I teach there, they've got this gigantic granite labyrinth and that you can empty your mind. I mean, you're still thinking I'm staying in the line. So that's kind of going on. But that's the only thought I have when I'm walking on it. I'm not thinking about anything except nice. just moving in. So that I think is very, very healing. So, but just stopping, even if you're in the middle of your workday, if you just stop and quit moving and close your eyes and just be still for two minutes, that's just, a huge reset. Yeah. Just get in touch with your breath mm -hmm. and, you know, just become an observer of yourself, noticing like how your breathing just changes the minute you start to pay attention to it. I agree. It deepens, doesn't it? It really takes that moment of like that Vipassana journey of really becoming aware of all of the details such to the point that once you are completely aware of them, then you no longer need to notice them. Mm -hmm. The known becomes the unknown. The unknown becomes the known. True, true. 
I love that. Yeah. You know, one thing um, you have not mentioned yet since you called me on my journaling, you haven't talked about the sacred pauses upon awakening that you take in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is true. So yeah, some of the things that are part of my Ayurvedic practice, part of my Reiki practice is taking time to become aware, like we talk about self-awareness and taking moments of pause. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is place my hands on myself and do a check-in. Like, how are you? How do you feel? Did you rest? Did you rest well? Did you dream? Were the dreams satisfying? Were they scary? Do you need to think about them? Do you need to write them down? Take an inventory. How's your heart feel right now? How's your heart rate feel? How does your digestion feel? General inventory. And then it migrates to that place of intention setting for the day and then deciding, you know, based on my nostril breathing, you know, which is my dominant nostril for that moment so that I start my day by placing that foot on the ground. But all of those things are part of that, you know, place that I'm coming from is, you know, really trying to be clear with my intentions, be clear with who I am, Mm -hmm. and be clear with saying to all of the people that I want to be teaching and all of the people I want to be sharing this journey with is that I'm doing the work too. We're all in this together. And if I'm willing to take the time to get real in touch with myself, then I ask that you are willing to get really in touch with yourself. That place of raw honesty is what's going to lead also to your true authenticity. Mm-hmm. And if you're not still and quiet, you'll never know what it is. Yeah, we'll never get you'll never get clear on it. No, no, you'll have so much monkey chatter in your mind that it won't happen. You know. Now, another thing we haven't talked about with silence still, we've kind of flitted around it though, is meditation. And sometimes I'm, I'm sure you've heard meditation kind of explained as the exploration of stillness. And, you know, I think people put so many, we've talked about meditation on so many episodes. So I think we even have one whole episode on it. So you can go back and listen to those. But a lot of times people don't have time to meditate. They don't, um, they're too busy. And that if you don't have 20 minutes to meditate, take 40. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. If your excuse is that you don't have 20 (laughs) minutes to meditate, then you need to take 40. need to take 40. I love that so much because it is true. If you are that busy, think about what's happening to your inside your body. If you're running like crazy that, that way, you need to just sit your butt down and meditate a little bit. But it doesn't have to be a big deal. But to even acknowledge the thoughts that are coming through and sending on their way is really even more of a than you might want to take. Just focus on being still, be centering. Well, and I love, I I love that you and I can talk about this from a place of experience. So it's not like we're casting judgment. We've been down this road, kids. (laughs) We've been down this road. Kat and I are professional runners arounders. We have done nothing but chaos for 40, 50 plus years. And this is the story of our life that we're trying to help you get in touch with before you get to where we are. Uh, yeah, my sister wants to put a weight on my head sometimes and make me just stop because it's it's not just you that you're hurting. A lot of times when you are running nonstop, it's everyone in your circle, everyone mm-hmm. being affected by you not taking a few minutes just to take care of yourself and work on healing and being good to yourself. Right. 
Absolutely. Do you have any books you want to share? I really don't have any particular books. Um, I've got meditation books, but I don't have any on stillness. Well, I don't have any on stillness either, but I'm bringing up my meditation books because I feel like a couple of them are really great guides for how to find stillness. And I think on the most basic level, meditation is a great place for people to start. I don't feel like people could move radically into a Vipassana practice without some sort of a meditation practice first. Mindfulness and pranayama are also simple tasks. But again, like you and I have talked about, we have episodes that we have talked about pranayama. And so those are also great places you can go back to. But I really kind of wanted to mention the two books that I brought. Well, I actually brought four, but I'm only going to mention two (laughs) because we we don't want to over inundate. But the first one is Meditation Within Eternity. This book is written by Eric Pepin. And this book is really fantastic because it has just, you know, the hows and whys meditation work. But then it's also got some really great just tidbits of mantras that you could use, how to add pranayama to your breathing. The other one that I have is by Stephen Levine, and this book is called Guided Meditations, Explorations, and Healing. And this book is really cool because it it gives you a meditation that you can read, and then you can sit in that meditation and go over the thought process that was driven by the meditation you read. But I did want to mention, and since I don't have books i had a couple of apps oh cool we love apps i know so i i love the insight timer app and it's i think one of the coolest things about that app is that when you log in to meditate or use it as a timer you can see how many other people in the world are logging in at the same time and i think that's just incredible i also like Yoga Glow, and it used to be called Yoga Glow. Now it's just Glow, G-L-O. And they have so many wonderful teachers that talk meditation and do meditations as well as regular yoga practices. But that's a great app also to use. So go out, practice all that stillness and silence, see how it works best for you, and maybe look at it as a way towards healing and peace and increase productivity in your life, whatever kind of resonated with you while we were talking, kind of see it as that and help that be the motivation for you to um, practice. Right. Let's think about it from a place of chaos too. reminding yourself if you feel at any point in time that you're being chaotic, that you're feeling overwhelmed. These are indications that you need to take some time for stillness. Absolutely. We love you all. Be still, be calm, be cool like cucumbers. (laughs) Yeah, if your air conditioning goes out, call the air conditioning man. (laughs) Perfect. I'm Kat Kahn. And I'm Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas. On a Pod, signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at twopittasonapod.